0: Coming up next on One Nation, Scotch and the Mast Extinction. Hello America, welcome to One Nation. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Jacobs. Before we get into the meat of today's show, I have got to uh, take some time out to recommend something that I think you should read. I just got done going from cover to cover of New American, newamerican.com. This is the January 16th of 2023 edition, and the title is The UN's New World Religion. I mean, absolutely phenomenal stuff. I've been reading this magazine for years, but this one is profoundly relevant to today's show, but it's also profoundly relevant to what's happening in Davos, happening with the UN, and happening when it comes to the climate change cultic fanatics that are out there. Alex Newman, one of the most brilliant minds in America today, has a number of articles within this uh, issue of The New American. One title is The UN's New World Religion, Another one called the UN Climate Deal, Get Ready for Climate Reparations. Another one called the UN Climate Circus. And on and on and on. It's absolutely, I have to recommend again, The New American, the newamerican.com, newamerican.com. And this particular one, which is just out this week, is called the UN's New World Religion. Now, by the way, speaking of plugs, you can see more of, me, Dr. Jake Jacobs, on Facebook at the Dr. Jake Jacobs at or Dr. Jake Jacobs. Also on Facebook, I have uh, the, the the Jake Jacobs Show. You can also find me at jakejacobshow.com. That's jakejacobshow.com. And if you're on Twitter, I'm uh, at JakeJacobs1776. So on Twitter, I'm uh, at JakeJacobs1776. Well, you know, we just had Christmas. And every Christmas year, I watch Scrooge, uh, otherwise known as Christmas Carol, the 1843 book written by the brilliant English writer, author Charles, uh, Charles Dickens. And there's a line or a scene within the movie or within the book where uh, these Englishmen are asking uh, Ebenezer Scrooge for money to feed the poor. And he refuses to give charity— and there's a a, he has a response to when they ask him for money and i want you to hear the response because believe it or not it relates to what's happening in this bizarre mass extinction you know climate change catastrophe that's happening in the world today so the year 1843 actually relates to the year 2023 so here goes this clip from scrooge or a christmas carol do so you know how many people would rather die? Well, if they'd rather die, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. If they would rather die,
1: they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population.
0: If they would rather die, then they had better do it and decrease the surplus population.
1: If they would rather die, they'd better do it
0: Bridget- um, decrease the surplus population.
1: If they would rather die, perhaps they had better do so and uh, decrease the surplus population.
0: If they'd rather die, then they'd better do it. And decrease the surplus population. they'd rather die, they'd better do it and decrease the surplus population. Decrease the surplus population in a Charles Dickens book of 1843? Where did that come from? Well, remember, Charles Dickens was an Englishman. And there was another famous Englishman of a few years earlier by the name of Thomas Malthus. And in 1798, Thomas Malthus, or Malthus, he wrote a book called An Essay on the Principle of Population. The bottom line within that book, he said, there are going to be way, way, way too many people on the earth, and there's, there's not going to be enough food to feed them, and therefore there's going to be mass starvation all throughout the planet earth. And so the followers of this Thomas Malthus, or uh, Malthus, were called Malthusians, and it happened to be that Malthusianism, or this philosophy that there are too many people in the earth, influenced a lot of the writers of England and other intellectuals in Europe and America for for many, many years. In fact, another famous individual who uh, fell for the beliefs of Thomas Malthus was another famous Englishman by the name of Charles Darwin. Now, we all know about his uh, 1859 Origin of the Species, But he also, in 1871, wrote a book called The Descent of Man. Now there's a quote in The Descent of Man that I have to read for you because it relates to Thomas Malthus, it relates to this bizarre world that there are too many people in the world and here's what he says with savages the weak in body or mind are soon eliminated we civilized men on the other hand we do our utmost to check the process of elimination we build asylums for the imbecile the maim and the sick we institute poor laws and our medical men exert their utmost to save the life of everyone to the last moment Thus the weak members of civilized societies propagate their kind. No one who has attended to the breeding of domestic animals will doubt that this must be highly injurious to the race of man. Here is Charles Darwin advocating survival of the fittest, natural selection. In essence, says, can you believe it? Can you believe that the, the men of England, The good people of England, they actually are passing laws to save the poor, to help those uh, who uh, are having certain disabilities. In fact, they perpetuate the survival of the unfit. So Darwin didn't like this idea. He felt there were way too many people and that we had to weed out the inferior people of the earth. Thus, we call that survival of the fittest, natural selection. So remember back to the the Christmas Carol of 1843, right? It's, uh, we have to, uh, you know, decrease the surplus population. Well, there's nothing new under the sun. When I was a kid in the 1960s and 70s, we were told, I was told by my teachers, I was told by the media, ABC, NBC, CBS, there were way too many people in the world, there was going to be mass starvation upon mass starvation. Literally, I took it to heart like many of my fellow, you know, students did in junior high and high school did. In fact, one of my teachers, Mr. Stoner in social problems, made us read a very famous, or I should say infamous book because so much of it was wrong. It was called the Pop- population bomb the population bomb by Paul R Ehrlich and we read that book and in that book he was in essence saying just like Thomas Malthus of 1798 there were way too many people in the world and there's not going to be enough food so in fact i i just recently by the way i live a very uh, uh, exciting life i reread the population bomb uh, my poor wife has got to put up with this guy sitting in his office reading all these all these crazy books, right? And in the prologue, Paul Ehrlich says this, 1968, on prologue, Roman numeral 11. The battle to feed all of humanity is over. In the 70s and 80s, hundreds of millions of people will starve to death in spite of any crash programs embarked upon now. At this late date, nothing can prevent a substantial increase in the world death rate. Absolute. This this, this is how I heard this Malthusian, Ehrlichian, population bomb doomsday flapdoodle. You've got to hear this. This is from ABC News. It's uh, late, I think it's like 69, 1970-ish, and it's Howard K. Smith. I happen to like Howard K. Smith. He was a famous World War II correspondent who interviewed, actually before the war, Adolf Hitler. He was working, he was called one of the Merle boys, Edward R. Murrow. So he did a a lot of wonderful uh, reporting over in England during the war. So imagine now I'm a young kid and I'm listening to Edward, uh, Howard, excuse me, Howard K. Smith on ABC News. Listen to what I would have heard about the population bomb back in the day. Here goes.
1: Overpopulation so long predicted has stolen upon us. It's getting worse week by week. In the 1960s, a new kind of fear began to spread across America. The U.S. could be busting out at the seams by the end of the century.
0: If we do not by humane means limit our numbers, then numbers are going to be limited by more famines and shortages and consequent social conflicts.
2: The idea that human population was outstripping the Earth's ability to support mankind was a powerful one. And it was one man, Stanford biologist Paul Ehrlich.
1: Population growth will kill you stone-cold dead.
2: Who pushed the dramatic message home.
1: If we continue to let population grow, and if we continue to exploit the underdeveloped countries, if we continue to pollute the seas uh, with a wide variety of compounds and so on, it's very difficult for me to picture things holding together for more than another decade or so.
0: Okay. So we started out with Charles Dickens and Thomas Malthus, 1798, 1843, you know, surplus population and Charles Darwin saying, you know, they're passing laws to help the poor people. We gotta let the, you know, the less, the, the inferior people die off. Why are we helping them? Then we fast forward to when I was a kid and I'm reading this book and I'm hearing this stuff on the news and I go home and I tell my mom and my dad, and I'm scared like, oh my God, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Right Now, it's very interesting because as I was rereading the Population Bomb, I was blown away by what he was advocating. He was advocating actually putting some type of a, a medical sterilization chemical in the water to stop people from being able to have children. He even, and many people like him, advocated for sterilization around the world to decrease the surplus population. In fact... Uh, Mahatma Gandhi, I think it was his daughter. I forgot her name now. Gandhi was her last name. She was the premier, the prime minister of India back in the 1970s. They had forced sterilization of literally millions and millions of Indian men because they bought this population bomb, Malthusian, Darwinian, survival of the fittest nonsense. That's very anti-human, very anti-death. Now, back to Paul Ehrlich. And by the way, he's still with us in 2023. That's why I'm talking about him today. Uh, back, I used to love to watch Johnny Carson. In fact, I was in the audience of Johnny Carson back in the 70s. I wasn't on a show, but I was in the audience. Yeah. So, but this Paul Ehrlich was such a population bomb, Malthusian, we're all going to hell in the house, hand basket, a handbasket rock star, that he was on Johnny Carson for 20, 20, oh, almost 20 times. So here, I want you to hear a little bit about Paul Ehrlich and see what he has to say on Johnny Carson back when I was in high school. Here goes.
2: How did some of the brightest minds manage to get things so wrong? Our story starts in the 1960s. The population just hit three billion people, and that made some people very nervous. How could a world of four, five, or even six billion people feed itself? Many experts were convinced it couldn't. A slew of books from leading scientists and researchers warned against the dangers of rapid population growth. The most famous of these books was The Population Bomb, a book by Stanford biologist Paul Ehrlich. Ehrlich's prediction seemed reasonable enough. The population was growing really fast, and it didn't seem like food supplies could keep up. In effect, we were all screwed. Ehrlich took aim at India, which he was confident would never be able to feed itself. He thought they were so far gone, we should probably just let them starve. Ehrlich's book sold millions of copies, and overpopulation fears became mainstream. The media ran with it. Politicians believed it. It launched a new wave of activism, and even filtered into popular culture. Soylent Green, a dystopian film starring Charlton Heston, takes place in an overpopulated future where people resort to eating mysterious food rations that it turns out were actually made of... People! But it didn't stop there. Ehrlich's book made him quite the celebrity, He went on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson over 20 times, and things got weird.
1: You have to get the death rate and birth rate in balance, and there's only two ways to do it. One is to bring the birth rate down, the other is to push the death rate up.
0: Push the death rate up. Remember the surplus population during Charles Dickens' time period in history? Charles Darwin complaining about too many people living, the survival of the fit? The unfit, we're living because of technology, because of laws, humane laws to help people. People talking about overpopulation, not enough food, etc., etc. Paul Ehrlich is back. He's like 90-some years old. This Stanford professor, right, is back, and he's pushing the same old pablum, the same old fanaticism. And it's not just Paul Ehrlich. It's many, many others. In fact, Paul Ehrlich was just on 60 Minutes, I think it was New Year's Day, of just a couple of weeks ago. And here is how 60 Minutes actually started out their show. In what year
1: will the human population grow too large for the Earth to sustain? The answer is about 1970, according to research by the World Wildlife Fund. In 1970, the planet's three and a half billion people were sustainable. But on this New Year's Day, the population is 8 billion. Today, wild plants and animals are running out of places to live. The scientists you're about to meet say the Earth is suffering a crisis of mass extinction on a scale unseen since the dinosaurs.
0: Here we go again. We're now, according to these so-called experts who think they know so much that isn't so, we're in the midst of a sixth- mass extinction. It's been going on for quite a while. So while we got all these crazy people at the COP27 telling us the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and we got all these elitists and oligarchs and Plutarchs and all these folk over in Davos, Switzerland, telling us the world's going to hell in a handbasket, there's 60 Minutes and all these so-called other experts telling us, and simultaneously, not only are we in the midst of a cataclysmic, catastrophic, apocalyptic, existential end of the world, seven years and counting, according to Ocasio-Cortez and Greta, and the IPCC people, right? The BBC and The Guardian and all these lefty nut jobs. Not only are we in the midst of all of that, we're in the midst of the sixth mass extinction. Remember, if it bleeds, it leads. It's all about fear. Make the people fear so they vote in politicians who can take action and get more money to save the planet. I mean, this is absolute insanity. You've got to hear what Paul Ehrlich said in that 60 Minutes report. Now, mind you, I just showed you Paul Ehrlich on the Johnny Carson show talking about, you know, there's too many people. we got to push up the death rate. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And by the way. The fact of the matter is there was a green revolution in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s where agricultural foodstuff exploded exponentially, having more food than ever before, more people than ever before, and we're flourishing on planet Earth because of fossil fuels and fossil fuel technology and saving lives because of what fossil fuel technology and machinery gives us. But that crazy nut job, Paul Ehrlich and all of his apocalyptic doom and gloom are still there pushing their propagandist idiocy. Here's Paul Ehrlich.
1: Too many people, too much consumption, and growth mania. At the age of 90, biologist Paul Ehrlich may have lived long enough to see some of his dire prophecies come true. You seem to be saying that humanity is not sustainable. No, humanity is not sustainable to maintain. Uh, our lifestyle yours and mine basically for the entire planet you'd need five more earths not clear where they're going to come from just in terms of the resources that would be required resources that would be required um the systems that support our lives which of course are the biodiversity uh, that we're wiping out Uh, humanity is very busily sitting on a limb that we're sawing off
0: here we go again Mankind is destroying the earth. He's destroying humanity. There's nothing new on this, the sun. And sadly, people like Paul Ehrlich and these propagandists at CBS News with 60 Minutes, this stuff gets into our schools and the young people, the, the alpha generation, the, the Zoomers, the Generation Z, they're falling for this hook, line, and sinker. And it's important for you and I to educate young people around us that this, this, these are this is fallacies. These are lies upon lies upon lies. This doom and gloom stuff. His, we've been there, done that, over and over again. We've been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years. By the way. In the in the 1970s headlines like this of Paul Ehrlich was all over the place there is you know there's Paul Ehrlich outspoken ec- uh, ecologist to speak and in it he talks about you know the world's gonna go to hell in a handbasket and there's going to be mass starvation and he even talked about there being a, a, a horrible ice age where the earth was where people were gonna freeze to death all over the place and it wasn't just dr. Ehrlich Paul Ehrlich it was many other so-called experts that were saying we were in the midst of an ice age. Well, here we are. I remember it well. I didn't have my, my gray beard. I had more hair. I was a kid in high school, and we, we fell for it. I was within that educational paradigm, and I fell for those lies until I began to study and began to realize this was a ruse. These were lies upon lies. Now, by the way, because I dare come to you, and say, you know what, I think Paul Ehrlich is out to lunch. He just on Twitter, by the way, my uh, my handle is at Jake Jacobs 1776 at Twitter, okay, at Jake Jacobs 1776, but here's at Paul R. Ehrlich. Look what he says. 60 Minutes Extinction Story has brought the usual right wing out in force. You see, because I say anything, because many others say anything, we're called right wing out in force. If I'm always wrong, so is science, See, just like Dr. Fauci, I am the science. Since my work is always peer review, which doesn't mean diddly squat, these are just left-wing propagandists just reinforcing each other's false viewpoints. And he says, including the population bomb, and I've gotten virtually every scientific honor. You see, don't you see, I'm the great Paul Ehrlich. I have a PhD. I wrote a book that sold millions of copies, even though 90% of it was wrong, but I got all these honors. I mean, Barack Obama, he got a Nobel Peace Prize for not doing diddly squat. And there he is, put it out on Twitter, there's those right-wingers coming after us. This is not about right-wing, left-wing. This is about the truth, the reality of life here on Earth right now. In fact, The Atlantic had an article out a little while back called The Earth is Not in uh, the Sixth Mass Extinction. And within it, it was featuring an article by Smithsonian paleontologist Doug Irwin. He's one of the world's experts. There have been five uh, previous extinctions, mass extinctions. Those were caused by nature by not by mankind and listen to what he has to say people who claim we're in the sixth mass extinction don't understand enough about mass extinctions to understand the logical flaw and the argument to a certain extent they're claiming it is a it is a way of, of frightening people into action when in fact it is actually true we're in if we're actually in a sixth mass extinction then there's no point in conservation today This is because by the time a mass extinction starts, the world would already be over. And he goes on in this Smithsonian article to say, if we're in the midst of a mass mass extinction, it's too late. Nothing you can do about it. He says, you might as well go out and buy a a case of scotch and eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow you're going to be dead. And he called it junk science. Here was the Smithsonian paleontologist who was intellectually honest enough, not going to be intimidated by the propaganda media being called the right-winger. He's not even a right-winger. He just analyzes the data and the information and says, wait a minute. Yeah, we have some extinction going on, but it's a much smaller number th- than we actually realize. In fact, Michael Schellenberger, who ran for governor of California and written a number of books on this issue, I think he, one of his books that I've read called the Apocalypse Never, His article says, no, humans are not causing a sixth mass extinction. He says the 60 Minutes piece is apocalyptic pseudoscience. He says if there was a sixth mass extinction, humans would need to be wiping out between 75 and 90% of all species on the Earth. The IUCN, the International Union for Conservation of Nature, says this. The main scientific body says that 6% of species are critically endangered, 9% are endangered, and 12% are vulnerable. It's not nearly close to the three-fourths. It's not even close, people. And then he goes on to say the IUCN, goes on to say that it has estimated that it's just 0.8% of the 112,000 plant, animals, and insect species within its data have gone extinct since the year 1500. That's a rate of fewer than two species lost every year for an annual extinction rate of 0001 People, this is so important for us to recognize and realize right now. This this fanaticism, this this language of existentialism. You hear Biden saying it. Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, the former Secretary of State. Now he's the climate czar. John Kerry, the egors of the world, the Al Gore's raking in millions and billions of dollars off of this fanaticism, this apocalyptic cataclysmic. The head of the United Nations General Security, the this socialist Marxist dude saying that it's climate hell out there you see they they are using us to scare us to scare the the average citizen in america and around the world into turning to government centralized government to save us you know we just had COP27, and by the way, Alex Newman covers that COP27 in the UN's New World Religion and New America magazine here. You've got to read it. It's absolutely fantastic. We just had the COP27 where they were demanding you know, redistribution of wealth. They were demanding reparations where the rich countries like America pay the communist Chinese, the second largest economy in the world. we got to pay them a bunch of money because they're a developing nation, which is a bunch of hogwash. The second largest economy is not a developing nation. Their military is exploding. Their control of raw minerals, raw materials for electric batteries is exploding. They're using coal and fossil fuels like never before. They're laughing at the Paris Accords. They're laughing at the climate cultist fanatics telling us that we have to pay them. Now, as as this show is going on, There's Davos in Switzerland with the World Economic Forum, you know, the Klaus Schwab's of the world, right? And all these, the class politique, the plutocrats, the oligarchs, the kleptocrats, the billionaire club, right? The Hollywood mucky mucks, the crony capitalists. You got the political, the corporate, and the political elites coming together. Thousands of them jet-setting into Davos. Carbon footprint galore, huge, right? Bigfoot carbon footprint. You got the state and the corporate world joining together. Last I, I learned, and when you got the state and corporate world coming together, that's called fascism, right? you get got people like Barack Obama and Bill Gates and John Kerry. They talk about the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and they turn around with their multi-millions of dollars and build beautiful homes on the beach in Hawaii, Martha's Vineyard. You know, you see Al Gore with his Inconvenient Truth movie, and half of Florida's underwater. And yet, where, where do the, the Democrats go and party during COVID? They went down to Florida. They hate DeSantis, who they called the Satan, but they sure love the beaches of Florida. But no, according to Al Gore, the beaches, everything's going to be underwater. People, this is a ruse. These fat cat oligarchs, Plucard, these, these political kleptocrats, The Obamas, the Bill Gates. Bill Gates just bought a multi-million dollar home in Del Mar, San Diego, or Del Mar is a suburb of San Diego. That's where Ricky Ricardo, Lucy's husband, used to have a home. I know, I used to live in that area. I used to jog up by his house. This just blows me away. If we understood how much money that Al Gore has invested into climate change uh, uh, companies, he is making a killing. Follow the money, people. These echo fanatics, these climate cultists. This has become like a, an echo theology or an echo communism. You, you, it's like a mixture of the world of fascism and communism and, and twisted theology, where they worship Mother Earth, Mother Gaia. I mean, remember when they had the Inflation Reduction Act this last summer, right? And in September of 2022, Nancy Pelosi. I'm going to look at my notes because I want to make sure I get the quote. She says, we save the planet. She said, we're saving the planet. Yes, we're borrowing and printing and spending millions and billions and trillions of dollars we don't have, but we're saving the planet. What arrogance, what hubris. These, these They're not for the earth. They're not for humanity. They're not for sanity. They're not for truth and justice in the American way. They're charlatans trying to scare the hell out of us so that we can turn to them to save the planet. Let me give you a sense of the arrogance of these individuals. Just yesterday, John Kerry, the climate czar, said these words about what a great savior that he and they and them are. Here goes John Kerry.
1: And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we... Select group of human beings, uh, because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives, are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree hugging lefty liberal, you know, do good or whatever. And, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are.
0: People, did you hear this? Extraterrestrial? You betcha, man. This dude is a Martian. This dude is way out in lefty land. Yeah, he is a tree-hugging nut job. It's not about saving the planet. It's about self-aggrandizement. It's about central government control of our lives. It's about what, how we heat and what we eat. They're even going after the gas stoves in our homes. The sad fact, people, is they're fooling our children. They're eco-communist. They're neo-fascists who want big government control of our lives. They want to control how we eat, what we eat, where we go, and how we go. And they're laughing at us as they jet-set and eat their meat. They jet-set to Davos, and they eat their caviar and their meat, and they wine and they dine, and they sit, and then they fly home in their beachfront homes and laugh all the way to the bank. My fellow Americans, let's continue to expose them for what they are, charlatans scammers, deceivers, masters of deceit. It's important for us to reach our youth and let them know that our Heavenly Father has got things in control. So until we meet again, my fellow Americans, do not be duped and fooled by these people. God bless to you. Godspeed, And until we meet again, happy trails to you.